We worship today under the gaze of a God who knows no, no limits. God invites us in. God invites us to go out, out into the whole world. In faith or wonder, the image of God is manifest in every culture, race, and peoples. That is God's unlimited way. Amen. Holy and gracious God, all life is touched by you, and you want something for us and of us. Give us ears to hear you, eyes to see you, a heart quickened by your presence, and a posture of peace daily. Amen. Good morning. Today's reading is from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. I asked them about the Jews that survived, those who had escaped the captivity, and about Jerusalem. They replied, their survivors there in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been destroyed by the fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. When I heard the theme for chapel this semester was limitless, my mind immediately jumped to a textbook we had in high school. It was a math textbook named Pre-Calculus with limits. When I first saw the book, I couldn't understand why a math textbook needed to be censored. What possible secrets were they hiding from us? Was there an unedited pre-calculus unlimited version out there? After sharing my thoughts, it was quickly explained that the with limits is actually bonus material. In fact, limits are an integral part of the study of calculus, pun intended. <laughs> Glad someone got it. Um, I had jumped to conclusions about limits. The textbook was not limited pre-calculus, but pre-calculus with limits. In the same way, you could say that Ezra Nehemiah is the pre-calculus with limits of scripture. Together, they tell the story of the reconstruction of Jerusalem after the fall of the Babylonian Empire in 539 BCE. The book, or books depending on who you ask, follow three different leaders, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Each leader is responsible for part of the reconstruction process. Zerubbabel led the construction of the second temple, Ezra reintroduced the Torah, and Nehemiah helped rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes of Persia, the cupbearer being the one who served wine at the royal table. They would guard the king's cup from poison and sometimes would be the first to drink of it to make sure that it hadn't been poisoned. It was a position of privilege and only filled with someone trusted by the king. Nehemiah's story begins hearing what Cheyenne just read, that the walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been destroyed by fire. This troubles Nehemiah and he begins to pray. Later, King Artaxerxes sees that Nehemiah is distressed. He asked him what's wrong. And he, upon hearing the story, the king sends Nehemiah to Jerusalem and tasks him with rebuilding the wall. 
Nehemiah was not an architect or an engineer or a contractor. He was a cupbearer. Imagine if you were in his position. You'd feel pretty limited, right? I know I would. Nehemiah faces opposition and doubters. It's easy for the voices of the world to limit you. They said things like, will they restore these? What will they sacrifice? Can they finish it in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of rubbish? That stone wall that they are building, any fox going up on it would break it down. The strength of the burden bearers is falling, and there's too much rubbish that we are unable to work on the wall. Sometimes the voices sound more like, I'm too young, I'm too old, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't know what to say, I don't say the right things, I don't know what to do, I don't have the right degree, I don't have the respect. They won't listen to me because of who I am. Nehemiah is a cupbearer, yes, but he isn't only a cupbearer. Within his limits are the gifts of organizing and inspiring others. And through his leadership, the community comes together and overcomes their limits. They are able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days, which I think is rather impressive. But Nehemiah's story can be applied to more than just the construction of walls. It could be about tearing down walls, too. This past Saturday marked the 30th anniversary of the demolition of the Berlin Wall. Or we could organize in a way completely unrelated to walls. This past spring, I had the opportunity to attend a gathering put on by the Organizing for Mission Network, which is a faith-based community organizing group. As a newcomer, I was introduced to some of the principles and techniques of community organizing. One of those concepts is the comparison of the world as it is and the world as it should be. For the world as it is, you are asked to take stock of the world as it currently is. What are the problems? Where do things break down? What isn't working? In the second half, the world as it should be, you are invited to imagine a world where things could be different. What does a fair and just society look like? This is asking for a finish line, and similarly to a mathematical limit, we may never arrive at this destination, but it is a goal and a direction to walk towards. For Nehemiah, this, the world as it is meant a world where his, the home of his ancestors were in ruins. He and the members of his community were able to organize and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Our community, the CLU community, the Thousand Oaks community, has faced a number of challenges. We face things like food insecurity, income inequality, housing shortage, lack of affordable health care, the changing climate. Two weeks ago, we felt the threat of the easy fire, which closed our campuses. And last week, we remembered the borderline shooting and the fires of last November. And this morning, we heard the news of another shooting, this time at Saugus High School in Santa Clarita, home to many of our friends, our families, our classmates, and our coworkers. According to the Gun Violence Archive, which is a nonprofit research group that tracks shooting and publishes their data online, this was the 365th mass shooting in the United States since January 1st of this year, the 365th mass shooting event. This is not an aberration. This is the world as it is for us living in America. But how do we fix this? We are told that it is not the time to deal with this problem, that we are moving too quickly to politicize this event, 
that all we can offer are our thoughts and prayers. It can feel limiting to face the inaction of our government, the power and influence of the gun lobby, the lack of sufficient mental health care and services. Now, I invite you to imagine a world without gun violence, where active shooter training is no longer a necessity, where you can go to public spaces without having to look for where the exits are where we don't have to bury our friends, family, and community members. I don't know how we get there. I wish that I did. I wish I could offer you a set of easy, actionable steps, that we could solve it all in 52 days. But I can't. Eliminating gun violence feels like a Sisyphean task. The limits are too high. We can't do it. But the cost of not doing anything is even higher. I am with limits. You are with limits. We are all limited, but we can organize. We have to organize, and together we can be limitless and start our journey towards the world as it should be. Thank you. In this moment, Lord, draw me into your limitless love a love that is bigger than a word can imagine. A love that makes its appearance as compassion in every moment. Amen. Finally, friends, be joyful. Repair what is broken. Encourage one another. Respect one another. Live in peace. Find harmony, and may the God of love be with you always. Amen. I invite you to share a sign of God's peace with those all around you.